The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number seven. Once again, thank you guys for uh, rating us on iTunes and tagging us in photos, spreading the word, and telling your friends about the old podcast here. So thank you guys once again. Today on the show, I got Dr. Randy Brooks. He is over at the University of Idaho, and his official title is Dr. Randall Brooks. Extension Professor of Forestry and Extension Forestry Specialist. And he's also in the fire. So, he's got a lot of skin in the game, and uh, he's got some pretty groundbreaking research. He's uh, pretty much writing the book, as far as research goes, on wildland fire fatigue and their sleep patterns. So, uh, you can definitely check that out, and uh, check out his webinar. It's pretty badass. It's super informative, and it's called uh, just Google search for assessing wildland firefighter sleep and fatigue while on fire assignments, and that's over at nrfirescience.org. So, I am super stoked about this, and we kind of go down some rabbit holes and nerd out a little bit on the uh, sciencey McScience stuff. So, without further ado, Dr. Randall Brooks, welcome to the Anchor Point. to stay close to my mic so that right there is perfect okay all right man well uh yeah i mean shit you just want to get into it let's go okay now i gotta get your your title right it's dr randy brooks uh university of idaho extension service forestry and forestry specialist and uh professor of forestry correct I'm actually a forestry professor, but I am the extension forestry and fire specialist. And, and that just means I do, I take some of the research we do and I extend it to the public, to our grassroots people. Uh, I do forestry and I do fire. As you can tell, I'm getting into the, the fire arena. Do you have any fire experience? I do not. Not wildland firefighting. I grew up down <coughs> south and we had, we had land. We were always prescribed burning. Uh, everybody in the South prescribed burning is just, oh, yeah. uh, if you don't do it, your neighbor would have done it for you. So we, we <laughs> I, I, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of prescribed burning, but, uh, never any wildland firefighter experience. All right. But still you're helping us out. So it's all good. And you got, you have two sons, you said in wildland fire. Uh, I, I actually have one son right now that's in a wildland fire at the time that I got started. I had two sons, a son-in-law two cousins and one of my cousin's daughters actually fight in fire. So, and they're all agency. So I've, I've got skin in the game, so to speak. You've heard that old saying dogs in the fight. Oh, so yeah. that's why that's, that's one of the, the reasons I'm doing this. 
so you're pretty connected with this is near and dear to your heart so oh oh absolutely as a matter of fact if we can just take a step back and I can tell you why I got started on this yeah it all it all happened with the twisp Washington incident uh, in 2015 and I had uh, one of my boys was there at the fire and one of the young men that perished was actually he had been uh, two weeks before that we were, I was actually over there talking to him about coming to get his master's degree under me and he was pretty fired up about it and so it hit really close to home from that aspect as well and then having uh, one of my one of my boys there at the time yeah that the that the incident happened and i've had for those that caught the webinar the survivor daniel lyons i've had some pretty good conversations with him and that young man is a hero in my mind he's a he's an outstanding motivational speaker too oh yeah and so he's got i just uh, was messaging with him last week about about uh, using his name as as part of my inspiration for doing this research he's like yeah man do it do it yeah i love that guy man he is so cool and he's so down to earth man oh and i've never met anyone more humble and and he he never you know we were talking about you know what we're getting off the subject now but he was he was you know he, he never questioned why it happened to him and it'd be easy for someone to just fall into some kind of a funk or a depression and wonder what's going on but that he he motivates me man he motivates me yeah that guy is awesome man and he does so much for the wildland community too um last year actually he uh there was a burnover incident here uh in the state of nevada and uh, he actually flew over to uh, Salt Lake to the burn center and visited those dudes in the hospital. Oh man, That's... that just gives me that gives me chills. Uh, it's just yeah. His um, funny thing is, this goes back. My wife was in a head-on collision and almost killed. She spent a long time over in Harborview Hospital, and he actually had one of the same reconstructive surgeons that my wife had. So oh no shit. We've got that connection there and. And he's just, he's interested in helping anybody. Oh yeah. The dude's Not got a heart of gold. I mean, he's a, he's a wildland firefighter, but, but. Yeah. They're kind of like Marines. Once a, once a wildland firefighter, <laughs> once, he, yeah. it never dies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. There's no such thing as a ex wildland yeah. firefighter. <laughs> no, no kidding. But uh, anyway, as a result of that twist back accident, I was talking actually, to my grad student. I've got a grad student on this project right now. She did a pilot project for her master's degree and now she's getting her PhD and we've done an expanded we've expanded this. We've got pretty much all the crews uh, that we different types of crews that are wearing these Fitbit or not Fitbits but these uh, ready bands that look like Fitbits. Mm-hmm. And and uh, her and I after that twist incident, we got to wondering what was the cause of some of these accidents and we started digging around and and started looking at the information and how the i think you've seen the trends since the 60s the the fatalities have been on the increase a steady rise i think we're close to 18 about 18 averaging 18 a year and then some of the research you know the university of idaho we got a top-notch fire ecology program up there we got a lot of our students that uh, are majoring in fire ecology. I have about 17 advisees that, that are fighting fire this summer. So that's another 
motivational thing for me is to try to keep all these young men and women safe. That's a pretty hefty research group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, but anyway, you start looking at the increased fatalities. And then I was talking about the research program we got at the University of Idaho. Our fire season's over 30 days longer than it was in the 80s. Matter of fact, some of the the projections that we've had here at the University of Idaho show that our fire season's growing by about three to four days a decade. And what's interesting is our research shows that the fire season is about nine days longer into the season. Uh, it's getting about nine days longer each year. And, and I always say, you know, California is a classic example of that. You Shit, they're the year-round. Last two seasons, California's been on fire right up through Christmas. Oh, yeah. And well, it's like the, the campfire. I mean, shit, that started off in November, the, you know, beginning of November. Right. I believe it was November yeah. 8th, and it's 18,000 structures, 85 fatalities, I believe oh. five serious firefighter injuries, and just, I think it was 153,000 acres that actually burned with intensity in fucking November. That's insane. <laughs> right. right. And we've, this is not, uh, anything we've been seeing in the past and so now I, I i'm talking to these firefighters they're going they're working way longer into the season and and you know our pilot study in 2017 showed that we with these fatigue science ready bands we're able to get find an alertness score on each individual yeah and you were talking about that in your webinar it's called the uh safety model and the DOD S-A- SAFTE, the safety model, and that and the algorithm were developed by the U.S. Army Research Lab, so it's 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 extremely well validated. And again, the military's put that through a lot of the the rigorous research and background, but we're able to come up with a score from zero to a hundred, and. Anything 90 to 100, it's like being back in school. You're getting good grades. You're getting an A, 90 to 100. And you start getting below 90, uh, then your awareness, your fatigue, you, you start showing fatigue. And we've been, we've been actu- actually able to show that their fatigue or their alertness scores from start to finish at the end of the season, these guys are wearing down. Oh, yeah. And that was that season ended in early October, and now you look. We should have some bands on ready bands on some folks this year that are rolling. They may roll on into November, depending. You know, it's hard to say what we're going to have for a fire season, but oh, no one's got a crystal but, ball. It's always hard to predict, and I hate making predictions. Like I said, because well, oh, yeah. I'm always fucking yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can I'll predict it, and then I well, he got that one wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. I did. But if you look, we start throwing a, a month or two more of hard work. You know, physical activity. There's there's two types of activity. You get it from physical activity, you know, working hard all day. And then there's the other type of fatigue that comes from lack of sleep. Yeah. And that, that is the type of fatigue that's characterized by lack of alertness and your reduced mental and physical performance. And the physical fatigue, you work in a 14, 16, 18 hour day, we can overcome that fatigue by just getting a good night's sleep. Yeah. 
that's common sense. Well, it should be common. It's sense. not so common because, well, <laughs> but uh, looking at my Fitbit, like I was saying, man, I average about six hours of sleep a night, and it's trash sleep quality. Oh yeah, and that, so you mentioned sleep quality. We get quantity, so we can tell how many hours of sleep. We can tell what time you go to bed, what time you wake up. We don't do this in real time. Like I said, we protect all of the individuals that are part of our research population there. We, we protect them, but we're able to, to download that data and look at sleep quantity. And then we can look at sleep quality. And uh, the biggest thing that, have, that has to do with sleep quality is how many times you wake up. We call that wake after sleep onset. So let's say you go to bed at midnight. And that's that WASO model, right? Pardon? That WASO acronym in your webinar? Yeah. Okay. WASO. Yeah. Wake after sleep onset. And so we can tell how many times you wake up in the middle of the night and for how long you're awake. And what's interesting is what we looked at this group in this pilot study, their sleep on fire versus off fire. Well, their sleep quality went up a little bit because they're not waking up as much. They're just dead ass tired and just crashing out. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there we it's sleep latency. How quick does it take you to fall asleep? And I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but it was there's a significant difference between how fast they fall asleep on fire versus off fire. So when you're on fire, whether you're in a camp or you're spiked out, you're falling asleep faster. And it's I we attribute it to you're just fatigued you're dead dog tired you know from you know what it's like working a hard day and and uh you just go to sleep i have some of those quicker. numbers for sleep quantity not quality but quantity uh off fire you're averaging about 6.8 hours of sleep your average sleep onset is about 2240 that's time so yes 22 that's when you go to sleep is uh 10 40 at night and you wake up at about 6 14 in the morning and on fire it's pretty interesting because on fire, you're getting 6.2 hours of sleep, but you're going to bed earlier. You're going to bed about 1030, but you're waking up at 5, 515 in the morning, 516 in the morning. Yeah. But the deviation between those numbers is pretty crazy. It's uh, you're, you're going to sleep earlier, waking up, but your studies was suggesting that you're getting a better quality of sleep on the fire line. Right. Right. And again, these are our preliminary numbers. We've got, 50 to 60 right now so we'll we'll have a bigger you know a bigger sample size we'll be able to look at that at Mm -hmm. and we didn't do we didn't look at run the these spreadsheets are just enormous but we didn't look at the whether the average sleep time you said 22 40 when they off fire versus 22 22 they're going to bed earlier on fire and they're waking up earlier. And we haven't looked at that. Signif- we haven't ran the stats on that yet to see if that's significant. But off fire, they're staying up later and they're waking up later. On fire, they're going to bed a little earlier, but they're getting up almost an hour earlier. And the here, here's the deal. You can, you can have better sleep quality, but it's the quantity that boils down to being able to reduce your fatigue levels. We got to have the Center for Disease Control. We got to have, they suggest seven to nine hours of sleep. Eight hours is best. And I've found that with myself. 
if you want those alertness scores, I mentioned that scale from zero to a hundred. If you want to be making an A, get it up there into the nineties. You've got to be getting close to eight hours of sleep consistently. And that's every night. Every night. Yeah, you're not having every like spikes in sleep. Okay, that's it's weird though. It's um, like <laughs> this whole study that you're doing is it's amazing. It truly is. And oh, it, yeah. like I said, it was a very eye-opening um, study for me because, like I said, w- looking back at my Fitbit and the extremely low amount of sleep that I usually average, even that's even off-season, it's kind of eye-opening. And uh, I understand that you did the research into like the detrimental impacts of what that lack of sleep has. You briefly touched on that subject. Let's go back and revisit that. Okay. Uh, sleep. Let me let me think here for less those that let, let me just back up for just a second here. The sleep, lack of sleep. Let, let me put that in terms of blood alcohol concentration. Perfect. I'm glad you're going if, there. If you go 18, let's see, 18 hours without sleep, that's equivalent to 0.05% blood alcohol. And that's 18 hours? 18 hours. If you go 21 hours, that's the legal limit. You're at a 0.08. 0.08, yep. Now, 24 hours without sleep puts you at 0.10, so 10. So you go 21 hours without sleep, and ha- that's, that's like being legally drunk. Yeah, and that's the blood alcohol concentration. This is correlated. The U.S. Army's done it. There's been a lot of research on this, but that's what we got to looking at. You know, I mentioned the fatalities. The number one uh, cause of fatalities for wildland firefighters right now is cardiovascular events, mm-hmm. and we'll go. We can go into that one in a minute. Number two and three are vehicle and aircraft accidents so what's happening we we don't know why you know just like the twist i read the twist report and we're looking in there you know we don't know why what happened what caused that to happen but could it be and this is this is what i've been um running around through my brain could it be that fatigue plays a substantial role in all this so imagine you get up at 0500 you put in an 18 hour day the 18 hour work day for 16 hour work day. And then you drive home, you're driving home sometimes in the dark, sometimes down these windy dirt roads. Is it because you you're in a reduced state of alertness? Yeah. You Holy know, shit. um, it could be, yeah, you know, now let's talk about sleep. Uh, there's been just the, the, the benefits or the lack of sleep has been researched ad nauseum. There's been so much out there that uh, that's that's been researched. They know that if you get less than eight hours of sleep, your time to physical exhaustion uh, is decreased by ten to thirty percent. In other words, you're going to get physically exhausted ten to thirty percent quicker if that make does that make sense yeah and i was looking at your other facts the inadequate sleep uh on physical functions in your slideshow yeah yep yeah the 10 to 30 percent that's that's your time till you start getting fatigued that's a that's a lot man 
10 to 30 percent. Yeah. And this is I'm teamed up with a, a research specialist right now that she works with or a sleep specialist. She works with Olympic Olympic athletes. And I, I said this in my webinar. There's been so much research done with athletes looking at because they have to know or uh, they that getting a good night's sleep. And when we think about that time to physical exhaustion, 10 to 30 percent, um, if you get less than eight hours of sleep, it's critical for these Olympic athletes. As a matter of fact, the Seattle Seahawks, you can you know, I've got one of those uh, ready bands on right now. The Seattle Seahawks yeah. are using these things. No shit. Because they want their athletes, they they need them to be able to perform. And if their their physical exhaustion anything's impaired, then that affects their performance. And so this is, and that's what I I've been saying. This is the mantra I've been using is, while I am firefighters, I consider them tactical athletes. Oh, absolutely! I keep You're preaching that all the time. Tail end off all day long, and you need to be treating yourself like an athlete, you need to be fully hydrated, you know, hydration levels. If you're just slightly dehydrated, that can affect you as well. I was saying that, uh, that one slide that you had on the webinar, that it was, uh, I believe 36% of them, the, the re- in your study, you did that open mm-hmm. study where people would submit their answers of contributing factors to the fatigue. And you said hydration, oh, yeah. hydration was like 36% of the people. Yeah, they don't. Uh, and, um, well, I think 36% don't monitor their hydration or nutrition. And then I can't remember the percentage that said that they didn't monitor their water. And then we ask them, well, how much water do you drink? And most of them put a gallon plus or minus a half a gallon in a day. And Which is as you not well enough. know, being in your, your PPE, you need, to, you need to be fully hydrated and you're out there sweating and the other thing is if you consistently get less than eight hours of sleep, it also affects your body's ability to sweat. Or no shit. Fire. Yeah. So that's insane. I, I mean, now, now, so why I'm trying to paint this great, this great big picture of all these different factors that come into play. Could it be dehydration? Could it be nutrition? Could it be sl- uh, fatigue due to lack of sleep? Could it be fatigue due to, a physical exhausting day, all these different things, all these different things come into play. Um, it's a very multi-pronged yeah. approach that you're taking to this whole uh, wildland firefighter fatigue study that you're conducting. Right, right. There's a lot of facets to this. You got to look at the big picture. And you, if you listen to the webinar, I said, this is like a onion. You got there to get to the core of it. You got to peel away all these layers to there and we're not even getting close. You know, we're just peeling off a few layers on the outer edge to, to take a look at this. But the other interesting thing that, and so we've been monitoring body composition as well on wildland firefighters, because if you look at the statistics on, I think it's 23%. NIFSI had some data posted there. 23% that are uh, of the fatalities are cardiovascular events inadequate sleep routinely chronic fatigue from inadequate sleep six hours they research time and time again shows that 
it leads to coronary uh, um, artery blockage, cardiovascular disease, uh, stroke, congestive heart failure, all these all these different cardiovascular events. So it has a so, huge like systemic effect on your body. It increases your risk for, I'm looking at the list right now, it's uh, irritability, cognitive impairment, memory lapse, loss of judgment, uh, impaired moral judgment. Oh, uh, yeah. Hallucinations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else. Uh, symptoms similar to ADHD. That one's an interesting. Let's touch on that a little bit later, though. Okay. Impaired immune system, but... Your risk for uh, CVAs, cardiovascular cardiovascular accident—that's what a CVA is. Um, stroke, MI, all that shit just goes up exponentially. Even your incidence of cancer go up. With oh lack of God, sleep. that's crazy, isn't it? That's insane that, to me. Uh, yeah, and it, and it's—I think it all boils down to this: that when we get adequate amount of sleep, eight hours that our body goes through all these processes to repair itself. Mm -hmm. And when we're constantly or chronically fatigued, we, we don't get that. We don't get the body's healing. Our bodies take care of themselves. You know, we're, we're an amazing, we're, we're an amazing complex piece of machinery. Oh yeah. And sleep, sleep takes care of. And you know, if you think about it, I was talking to someone yesterday, I was actually talking to a police officer a couple of police officers in Boise about some of this research. And uh, if you think about it, a lot of these diseases didn't start popping up until the invention of the light bulb. And now you throw in the, uh, the fact that we have our cell phones, our iPads, we're looking at screen time all the time. You know, the, I'm, I, I was in a bad habit. I had to check all my likes and <laughs> comments on social it's media. That little dopamine, bed. dopamine It'd take action. Me 30, 40 minutes. Well, I've wasted that much time trying to get sleep. Oh, yeah. You know, that... Where I could have just rolled over and shut my eyes and got to sleep. But like I said, the, the rates of cancer, all these cardiovascular diseases, just on the rise, it seems like. And I don't have any of those facts in front of me. I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in facts, throw out the facts and figures and look at, look at what we got, but, uh, it's all on the rise. Oh yeah. And that's the thing too. It's funny that you bring up nutrition because I don't know if you've ever seen a fire lunch. Actually, no, you, you've seen fire lunches. Mm -hmm. you, that gentleman sent you a picture and like, he didn't yeah. eat any of it. And what was the quality of that lunch? <laughs> the quality of that lunch was, it was all, all, all sugars and which is important know, though because we need that to, well a lot of carbs with very little protein and this this uh, carbs and i i had to wonder and i'm gonna I'll, I'll spin this back around so bear with me for just a second we were looking at uh, what we call the witching hour when most accidents and fatalities happen are approximately 1400 to 1800 hours two to six mm -hmm. in the afternoon now let's 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 say you get up at six a.m. and by the time two a.m. rolls around, you've already been after it for eight hours. And if you just had a lunch, and we look at this high I call it GI high glycemic index. In other words, you got Skittles, you got candy bars, you got you got <laughs> fucking <some> uncrustables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something all this this sugary stuff, and it and it gives you an insulin spike. Mm -hmm. Which so also causes fatigue. After the, you get the insulin spike. 
Yeah, you get tired. Yeah, you 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 have a, that crash, that insulin crash, and you come down and and I I have no proof of this. I want to look into it more. But is does that have something to do with it? If we could we could get some meals that don't have that high glycemic index where you're not spiking your insulin, you know, something like oats and rice that doesn't potato that, you know, that doesn't give you that big, that big, uh, insulin spike. So your insulin, you know, rather than spiking up like this, your insulin just kind of stays steady. Uh, so I'm speculating here, but no, it, it, it hold on. It, it makes real perfect sense actually. Cause not only are you, super fatigued from the day before when you're working your ass off and you're up at six o'clock. So your eight hour day is starting at two or is ending at two. Technically, when do we take lunch around that time? Right. Yep. Get a chance to reassess the fire. we kind of do that sometimes when we're eating happens mm-hmm. all the time. But now I guarantee you, if you do more research on this and you find the numbers, those fatalities in correlation with a high glycemic lunch in combination with, uh, fatigue, I guarantee you that's going to be a contributing factor in these firefighter fatalities. I, I absolutely think you're right. And so we, we, that's one of the things I want to start, start looking at is, is, is that the case? And that, like you said, we may be able to, we may be able to prove it. We may be able to disprove it, but man, it sure makes you wonder, doesn't it? Sure. Shit makes me wonder. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, so yeah, that, that's God, man. It, it's a real wake up call, and it, this 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 episode right here should be a real wake up call to any firefighter out there too. Oh yeah, get your sleep, man. Not yeah, only that, get, get quality sleep. sleep. I can I can also tell you this, and I said this in the webinar that, and like I said, ath, athletes have been re, sleep in athletes has been researched like crazy, and. Dr. Matthew Walker out of California, I forget which, which one of those institutes he's with right now, but he's done, he's one of the sleep gurus. He's written several books, published a lot of, a lot of research papers on this, but he's got a great book, if any of your interests, called Why We Sleep. And he goes into so much detail about all this that, uh, and then they, they've got this, this quote, and he's, this, this should drive it home for all of us. Chronic lack of sleep across a season predicts a massively higher risk of injury in athletes. That's insane. And that was from Walker's book. I, I believe so. That if now, and I, and I just said that you wildland firefighters are out there are tactical athletes. So just imagine this chronic lack of sleep across the season predicts a high, a massively higher risk of injury in athletes. And now is that so, an operational? Like, so we're huge into fitness. We PT all the time. Now, are we talking like some sort of injury regarding PT where you're just not as spatially aware, not as aware of your, um, it's your cognitive awareness, your cognitive abilities. So let's say you're fatigued and you're on autopilot mm-hmm. and you're just not aware of your surroundings. And maybe you didn't see that root sticking out of the ground. You trip. And like I said, a lot of this, is it, is it just sheer coincidence that 
slips, trips, and falls, accidents happen. These are operational injuries you're specifically talking about. Yeah, now I'm, yeah. I'm talking about operational injuries. Okay. Is it, you know, is, is, are we talking sheer coincidence or could it be, could it be that fatigue due to lack of sleep could be playing into this? It's like, like you and I mentioned earlier, we looked at our group, even when they were off fire, they were only getting 6.8, 6.7, 6.8 hours of sleep off fire. So they're, they're not getting enough off fire to be able to adequately recover, to get themselves into that alertness score of 90 to 100. Mm-hmm. And that's the and, safety model. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The that's al- our alertness score. scores that we find. God, man, that's insane. Now, so you're saying if you're into the sixty, the sixty-eight percentile, that's when you're operating in that basically impaired cognitively. Yes. Okay. Yes. So when you're when you're down in that sixty percent or less, actually, I think it's I, I think it's less than when you get below seventy. That's where you get to that point oh eight blood alcohol content your reaction time is slowed by 30 35 or more and that's where your again your decreased levels of alertness and then your risk of accident or injury is high it's high so let me ask you this what is the most common thing that we do that's non-operational but we do it all the time driving right did I lose I'm getting, you? I'm getting some, if you can hear me, I'm getting some static feedback here. All right. Going on. I'm sorry about that. How about now? Can you hear me now? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Technical difficulties. Stand by. Sorry about that. <sighs> oh, it's all good, man. No worries. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> back on air. Yeah. Shit happens. Technology. What can you do? <laughs> yep. So where were we at? Uh, oh, yeah. Operational hazards. Uh, I think the most common operational hazard that we do on a daily day to day basis that we don't even think about is driving. So how yep. does this I mean, do you think that all of the this lack of sleep and this cognitive impairment over the course of a season has a high contribution to the occurrence of vehicular accidents? Well, I can't say that with, you know, I don't, I don't have any research of my research to say that's happening, but let's just speculate for a minute. We've talked about how after 18 hours, you're at 0.05 blood alcohol content equivalent, Mm -hmm. not that you are, but, but that's the equivalent. Your reaction time is, is reduced. And even if, even if you're, 10 to 20 percent your reaction times 10 to 20 percent reduced and i i love to use the analogy of you know i've been taking boxing lessons for a, a little while now that if i'm out in the boxing ring with with somebody and my reaction time is decreased even by 25 percent a quarter what are the odds that my the the the, the other guy in the ring is going to be able to land a jab or a hook or an uppercut, one of those things. And, and we've been, I've been working with loggers as well on some of this stuff, but imagine you're out there in the woods around a piece of equipment 
or there's a rock comes rolling down the hill mm-hmm. or you're cutting a snag you're, or a tree or something and a limb comes down. And like I said, th- these could just all be sheer coincidences, but I'm, I don't buy into that, that I, I think, and, and probably some of them are, but if we're, if our alertness, if we're in that 90 to 100 on that alertness scale, and we're fully awake, uh, uh, alert and cognizant, I, I think that is going to decrease our chances of being involved in an accident. And then, like I said, uh, one of the things I don't know is when, of, when are these vehicular accidents happening? Are they happening on the drive home when we're tired and fatigued? You've been breathing smoke all day long. You're maybe a little bit dehydrated. You haven't had the adequate nutrition. And uh, like I said, we can speculate all day long, but, but to me, it sure seems like that could play a role in it, doesn't it? I think it absolutely does. I mean, the, the shit that we do and the, the things that we're asked to do, it's, I mean, if you were to go ask any MD, they'd probably look at you and you say, like, you done what? <laughs> so yeah. i mean i've done some yeah. i've been, i've done some questionable shit over the course of my career but it never never until now until i'm 11 years deep in the game that uh i've actually had a like cognizant thought about it you know oh i know most of us the 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 young, a young people i work with i like to say we all and you know i was your age once we we all feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof oh yeah at that point and you, you don't ever think, well, this won't happen to me. And so one of the things, one of my take home has been the, and we're, so we're with that pilot group we had a couple of years ago in 2017, we're actually going to roll out some interventions this year. We've got the fatigue. I think you saw it on the webinar, that fatigue science app now mm-hmm. to where, to where the, the guys and gals will actually be able to look at their alertness scores live. And that's in real time data. Yep. They can look at it in real time. And, and let's take you, for example, you wake up on a fire in here in July and you see that you're in the 60 or 70, you, you only got five hours of sleep last night and your alertness scores uh, decreased. Well, if, just by simply knowing that, you know that, hey, I, I I didn't get all the rest I need today, so I'm not going to be at the top of my game. That's in itself, just knowing and understanding that, uh, that you can remain more vigilant throughout the day, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can raise your, uh, your situational awareness through this. It, Exactly. Just through cognitive awareness, like, God, man, I know, I know I'm, I'm going to be tired and I just, I just got to stay on my toes all day long. Don't, don't have a a letdown, so to speak. No, I think that'd be a powerful tool, especially for those crew leaders, uh, because they're the ones that are pretty much ultimately responsible for the safety and welfare of their crew. So if they're tired, which they work arguably harder than the guys on the ground, the do, the guys and girls digging line because their mental fatigue is probably going to be a lot more. So they're, they're working a lot more up here. They may not be working as much, uh, physically, but yeah. mentally from a mental standpoint, yeah. crew Boston's hard. Engine Boston's hard. 
I can't yep. even imagine what a divs goes through or a task force leader because now they're also ultimately responsible for whatever. So we're else. actually we're actually going to expand out into that. We're going to have some uh, some of these fatigue science ready bands on on some of those folks this summer to see uh, not just the boots on the ground, but we're going to see how how fatigued they're getting across the season especially on a fire you get out on a big fire and you know these guys are in the tent half the night printing up maps getting ready to to give you a um, a report in the morning you know to update you on the situation and things like that so that's that's one of our next steps right now or this summer is to start creating interventions for the boots on the ground but as well looking at what 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 those folks that are making the, the decisions higher up, uh, how, how, uh, fatigued they are. And then with them, we can, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for them to uh, be able to start these interventions as well. Hey, we're tired. Let's make sure we're making the right decisions here. No, I think that'd be huge. That'd be hugely beneficial to whoever's on the ground because it's just going to make the whole situation that much more safe. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important that we, you know, our, a firefighter, we protect life and property when it boils down to it. That's our mission, right? Life and property. Yep. But we can't do that if we're essentially fucked up and tired all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So here's a, it's getting ahead of myself here, but you know, in that webinar, I use the analogy and I came up with this one on my own. So I'm kind of proud of it, but we service our equipment. When you're out there on the line, you take care, you check the oil in your truck, you sharpen your saw, you clean the air filter in it. So you take care of your equipment, right? Yeah. But who takes care of yourself? So that's what your, your body is your most valued prized piece of equipment you have. So why don't we maintain our bodies? I think that's a cultural thing to be really honest with you. Um, It's a young man's sport. And it's a very uh, A-type kind of kind of industry that we're in. So I think a lot of it has to do with the culture. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it is. And like I said, that goes back to that I'm 10 foot t- tall and bulletproof. And the other thing is, you know, when I was in, uh, when I was a young man, I used to uh, used to say, I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. I you still know, say that. That's a culture thing. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, definitely changing my perspective. But I think that's important, though, because a lot of, I think with what your study is going to do is cause that paradigm shift in the culture. And I think if we open our eyes and pull our heads out of our asses, so to speak, (laughs) then we can actually make that change and be that much safer because safety is our number one priority. Oh, yeah. You can replace structures. You can regrow trees, but you can't replace lives. You cannot. Man, that's that's just a, and you touched on it. You said it's going to take a paradigm shift. It will. And and so why this this just this can go to any business, any anything. Why continue doing business as usual? Just because my grandpa did it that way, my grandpa farmed, my grandpa logged, um, doesn't mean there's not a better way of do, doing business. I think it's important, though, that we change up the status quo and not get stuck in our old ways just because that's how we've always done them, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so some things. of the conversation, I gave a talk to a bunch of ICs here a couple of weeks ago for the for uh, one of the agencies, and we were 
you know, we were talking about this and some, someone brought up, why can't we, you know, we've got the money allocated for fire. And here's, uh, I, sh- I should preface all this by saying, I don't want there to ever be a Randy Brooks rule that says we can't work overtime. We can't get our... Good luck with that. Day. So I, I, <laughs> that is by no means my intent for anybody to lose out on your pay. But there could be, why not if if you can look at your alertness scores, you know, through that through that app I showed on the, the webinar, and you can see that you're impaired, why not hold those people back and go ahead and pay them their fire, their hazard pay, whatever. You know, get, incentivize this. And there, there, like I said, there's no price on life. So why not? You could, you could even incentivize this by paying them. Just say, we're going to give you, get some extra sleep. Or get to bed early. Sleep a little bit later in the morning. Just, you know, any little thing you can do to, to um, reduce your levels of fatigue. Well, you're reducing risk at that point. So, I mean, I don't see why there would be a problem with it, at least in my mind. But you know how that goes. Yeah. Not everybody's going to think like that. Right. Anytime you can reduce risk, and that's that's critical. Absolutely. So let's brush on another topic. Um, Now, in your webinar and in your studies... I've noticed that you've made a correlation between the upward trend. We've had, well, we've had an upward trend, as you mentioned, of firefighter fatalities since the 80s, a steady incline. I've seen the graphics on your uh, webinar. We've had a steady incline, uh, upward trend in wildland firefighter fatalities. We've also had a steady upward trend in wildland fire season length. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed that, at least I, this is what happened in my head, I noticed that you've made a correlation between length and season and firefighters and how it coordinate, uh, correlates to directly to firefighter fatigue. Yeah. So that's what, you know, I'm just inferring here, but it sure makes sense, doesn't it? Fatalities are on the increase, but in the same token, our season is longer. It is. So with a longer season, just like that, what if the NFL were to play year round year round you'd have there's, people there's, dropping there's, dead <laughs> how, how many injuries you'd have you'd have a, you you wouldn't be able to have a 53 man roster you'd have to have a 150 man roster just because you're going to wear down you're going to you're just going to you're going to get fatigued and like i said that's eventually that reduced state of alertness is going to that can lead to an accident not saying it does but Research shows it's very likely to happen. Makes sense. Now, question from me to you is, are these effects of fatigue, are they a cumulative uh, buildup? Like, say you sleep four, 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 five, six, four, five, over the course of a roll and so on and so forth. Now, does that stack up? Does it have? Yes. It does. Yes. We call that uh, your accumulating sleep debt. Okay, let's let's talk about sleep debt because that that fascinated me in the webinar that you put on. Yeah, so sleep debt is what you just outlined. You get four, four, five, six, four. If you're not getting eight, then let's say in a week's time or even on a fourteen day roll, you've accumulated that sleep debt. Okay, and now, and, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. 
So, all right. So the sleep debt and the routine lack of sleep, that's just a given factor that we encounter over the season. Right. What do we do to mitigate this? So when you get your two days off, take advantage and try to get eight hours of sleep, eight hours of recovery. And we've found that when, when you can get two consecutive nights of eight hours sleep, you can get back up close to that 90, that alertness score where you're back in the green, so to speak. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And it especially makes sense considering your hard numbers in your uh, survey that was reported, the anonymous uh, reporting. Yes. Mm -hmm. These guys are averaging 5.2 hours a night, plus or minus three hours or 1.3 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That was what, uh, I didn't mention that early on, I don't think, but when we first started this, we sent out a survey. We had 428 responses, all wildland firefighters. We just asked them what, how much sleep they, and again, this was self-reported. So this would be like you reflecting back on the season saying, yeah, I got five plus or minus 1.3 and then, I think off fire, they were saying they were getting six point something plus or minus. I think it was 6.4 is what the, okay. no, yeah, I believe yeah. If memory serves me correctly. Yep. And so even that is not what the CDC Center for Disease Control says we need to be getting, like I said, seven to nine. And I, I quit, I questioned some of our folks about that. Um, you know, what's happening and we call that sleep hygiene you know, good sleep practices. And why aren't you getting the quality of sleep when you need, when you get home? Well, A, I'm, I'm glad to be home. B, the wife walks in. I haven't been around my kids for two weeks. Here, take the baby. It's your turn kind of thing. Oh yeah. And so it's, it's, it's hard. Like I said, it's hard to get good quality sleep even when you're at home. It's weird. I, and another thing that kind of like makes me wonder the, about the lack of sleep, even at home, because we're getting better sleep on the fire line, ironically. But ironically. when we come home, our quality our quantity is more, but our quality is significantly less. Do you think that has any like uh, anything to do with what we encounter in the field since we're always operating at like a high level pace? Do you think that has some impact on our at home sleeping? You know, I, I can't prove it for a fact, but I have to wonder that maybe it doesn't. Um, some people have a hard time coming down. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You've been, you've been, um, you've been at a high level of alertness or, you know, not alertness. That was probably wrong. Operational tempo. Yeah. High tempo. You've been working hard. And you just, some people have a hard time letting, letting down, letting go, uh, you know, and, and it's hard to I say, do. we haven't peeled that layer of the onion away yet. So I can't, you know, I can't, I, I just, I can't speak to that yet, but we're going to start, um, trying to figure out, we've, we're going to roll out some, so what we're doing with this data, with these ready bands is called subjective data or, uh, objective data. Now we're going to start getting subjective where they fill out a log and we talk about what they did the night before and then what they did in the morning kind of thing. Kind of and like a sleep log almost or like a day-to-day -day activity log. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we can, so we, it asks, did you have any caffeine? Did you have any alcohol? And I'm not going down that road. That's but, a big uh, rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, alcohol. that's a huge rabbit hole. We don't, we don't want to go down. We're you know, drinking I, in culture. my webinar, I talked about the impacts of, of alcohol and what it does. It, alcohol doesn't lead to good quality sleep. No, it doesn't. It, it relaxes us. It helps us get relaxed and fall asleep, but we don't stay asleep. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because right now I'm doing a challenge right now. Uh, for the month of June, I'm giving up all alcohol. No, just sober June, if you will. <laughs> okay. Dry June or something like that. Whatever. <laughs> Dry June. Really, it's kind of funny though, because it's Pro- just a bet between my buddy. June. Prohibition June. I like it. But yeah, it was just a bet between a couple of my buddies. We kind of like, like you know, I bet. Let's, I bet you 20 bucks I can't drink for a month. So it kind of stemmed out from there. But I've noticed that my uh, sleep quality has dramatically improved. It's, it's quite insane. Oh, yeah. Have you noticed, uh, are you remembering any of your dreams? All of them. I started yeah. dreaming, period. Isn't, isn't that crazy? It's insane. I've, I've gone through the same thing, trust me. And your dreams is what resets all the stuff stuff in your body we have to dream it's called emptying out your garbage can every night and alcohol prevents dreams happen in that rapid eye rem stage and alcohol prevents that Hmm. and so dang i wish i had one of these uh, sleep bands on you right now (laughs) feel free to send me one man (laughs) you see how fucked up it is see how prohibition june's treating you (laughs) i guarantee you it's uh, been a lot better that's for sure so yeah but yeah, it's definitely, uh, I'm definitely sleeping a lot better, but alcohol, yeah. yeah, definitely limit alcohol consumption. Cause that's, uh, like you said, a contributing factor in shitty sleep quality. Oh yeah. Alcohol, caffeine, three to six hours. Some people tolerate caffeine pretty well. So that's where don't. my vice is, is caffeine. What's that? My vice is caffeine, caffeine and yeah. nicotine. That's, I can't live without it. Yeah. Same here. Same here. <laughs> I try to limit mine. I try to shut it down after three in the, I have my last monster bang by two two o'clock and uh, i try to shut it down after that oh man so anyways back to the sleep thing so in your accident survey um your survey the people that reported on your survey they were saying that 79 percent of them uh, 79 percent of the of the uh, correspondents said that physical fatigue and labor were a contributing factor Mental fatigue and season length, 73% said that that was a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Inadequate sleep due to a long sh- uh, long shift or travel, 69%. And inadequate sleep uh, slash other factors. So like people slamming yeah. the shitter door at 3 in the morning, that yeah. was 61%. Yeah. So that uh, other factors, someone in the tent snoring next to you, the, the porta potty doors banging all night, those kind of things. But yeah. Physical fatigue and tiredness was the number one. So what we did in that survey, we asked them what they thought were the main contributing factors to accidents on fatalities on the fire line. And that physical fatigue and tiredness, mainly due to manual labor, I think was 79%. And then the mental fatigue from the long fire season was at 73%, I believe. And then inadequate sleep, were the next two factors. So the top four factors basically were fatigue and sleep. And those two are interrelated. It's hard to, it's hard to separate. We get fatigued because we don't get enough sleep. 
well, the physical fatigue from long days kind of thing. But if you get enough, like I said, quality of sleep, your body repairs itself. And so, yeah, and so that's what actually led us. We thought, okay, that's what got us into this, looking at we were actually able to find this company that not only, A, can we monitor their sleep, B, it gives us a fatigue score, alertness score. So we kind of hit the jackpot on, on being able to look at that. And so that's why we started looking at, at uh, sleep and fatigue on, on and off fire as uh, contributing factors. to Are they contributing factors to accidents? So go ahead. Uh, so that was an uh, interesting thing, too, that I was going to mention that is the mental fatigue thing. And this is where I wanted to tie the ADHD symptom from uh, lack of sleep. Sometimes I, I've never really been aware of this, and this is kind of a self-reflection for me and kind of a wake-up call as well, but it's saying that uh, sleep deprivation, it causes ADHD-like symptoms. Yeah, and so you get, um, you just get, yeah, like you're, yeah, real similar to that. It's it's pretty crazy that that's actually a symptom of it, because I thought I was just, I had fucking ADHD forever. <laughs> Maybe I have an adult onset ADHD, but in true true scheme of things i guess uh mine has actually has actually uh almost pretty much gone away since like i said i'm very rigid now and getting my eight hours of sleep ever since i've been wearing one of these for over three years now like i said and uh um those my i was probably adhd as a kid for sure but it seems like my and look you're a doctor have, now so <laughs> have, have uh gone down so it'll be interesting to see um you know, for folks that feel like they have those symptoms, if they're able to get eight hours of sleep, you know, can that can that help alleviate some of those symptoms? Well, how many the other thing? Yeah, go ahead. How many firefighters have you met that they're kind of just like that? How many? It's it's kind of a common thing. It's we always say at least this is kind of a common catchphrase in the industry. It's ADHD. It's a blessing and it's also a curse. But how many? <laughs> well, how many I've of you actually met? had discussions with with folks in, out there that uh, is does this type of job attract that type of personality? I'd say so. Yeah, squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is, and you know, a lot of first responders are the same. Are are the are like that. I'm just wondering if it's kind of like magnified though, now that we have, and this is across all firefighters, EMS, police, and fire, you know, everybody. All first responders, yeah. All first responders. This is kind of mirrored across the myriad of, uh, of first responders, if you will. And all of them seem to be super ADHD type A personalities. And I wonder if, the, uh, like you're saying, I wonder if the sleep deprivation thing kind of intensifies or magnifies that. I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think maybe it could, maybe it could. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Can you, can we? Yeah, we can. Let me, I'll be right back. No worries. All right. Hang on one second. Oh, it's all good, man. So, but, uh, anyway, yeah, I, you know, is my, my daughter is a interesting, my boys were wildland firefighters. I was, I know I was probably ADHD as a kid. My daughter's an ER nurse. Oh, no shit. And she's absolutely, as a matter of fact, she's been after me to do this kind of thing, especially for those that work night shifts. 
you know, study this fatigue on, on nurses. Um, and so, you know, her and I have had these conversations. She's addicted to that adrenaline rush in the ER room. I think that kind of goes to without saying with us as well. We definitely share that similar quality. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, you know, who knows? It, it just, uh, like I said, how much of a coincidence is it? <laughs> I don't know if it's a coincidence. Are, so it's, it's kind of, you know, like I said, it's kind of shocking to like see that this data that you're putting out and how it relates to wildland fire and well, all first responders too. So, yeah, well, you know, interestingly enough, I said the number one, cause of fatalities for wildland firefighters is cardiovascular events. Mm -hmm. The same holds true for uh, police, ambulance drivers, all first responders. Probably even military too. Yeah. And so I I also have to wonder uh, stress. When we stress out, our bodies produce cortisol, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the stress hormone. And cortisol can really wreck us if we're doing... Um, you know, I've read a lot of research on, on what it can do, but I, I have to wonder if that all these, like I said, it's like a layer, but all these things that are, that are surrounding the the issue there at the core of the onion, you know, there's so many things that, you know, is it the lack of sleep? Is it the, the stress? Is it the diet? Is the hydration breathing smoke? Oh Yeah. <laughs> You know, well, those CO levels, you know, it, it binds to your hemoglobin and it actually takes over the oxygen binding. Like it, it binds more efficiency with hemoglobin than oxygen does. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah, it, fucked exactly. up. Yep. And then um, when one of the things I talked about in the webinar was inadequate sleep, anything less than eight hours of sleep, that can also lead to reductions in blood oxygen saturation and so your so spo2s even it, go down what's that your spo2 even goes down <clears throat> right right so you see this picture i'm painting i got this big i got this big canvas and i got all these different colors of paint that uh i i, I don't know if you can just put your finger on the bullseye and say this is the problem well, it seems like you're not even painting a picture. You're painting a, a fucking hurricane that's a perfect <laughs> storm. That's what's kind of crazy to me because now it's like not only are we sleeping and breathing, working environment in the smoke, which affects our, you know, our uh, our uh, blood, our O2 sats. Yeah. We're also potentially sleeping in smoky areas, which interferes with the quality of sleep. In combination with that, we're sleeping less and less and less. The season is also getting longer and longer and longer, and we're asked to do more with less. So it kind of seems like you're painting the perfect storm, the picture, the big picture of things, all kind of boiled down to working conditions and lack of sleep. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) It It is a hurricane, the perfect storm. Yeah, it's isn't it crazy? It is too, and you even go further into it um, with the health risk that we, we suffer from a lot of um, mental health issues in the wildland fire service, and uh, the it says the health risks in here it could lead to or it has a contributing factor. So lack of sleep is a contributing factor to uh, personal well being, 
yep. uh, depression, alcoholism, uh, drug dependency, obesity, diabetes, all this it's, other shit. And it's insane. It blows my mind. Oh, yeah. And like I said, that's all. I, I, I'm not just blowing smoke there. This is all research that's been conducted. Depression, alcoholism, those two lead to each other. Drug abuse. I mean, obesity when you start. Um, you know, for me, when I start drinking, I start eating, I start snacking, <laughs> you know, and that's not a good thing. At bedtime. Perfect medication. <laughs> yeah. Per- perfect medication. Food. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, food is a, you know, food, is, is it a drug? It, there's this, this is a tangled web and it's very complex. Even the long-term consequences of it too. It affects your immune system. You have compromised immune system. You have increased risk of cancer it doubles sorry it doubles your risk of cancer uh and it increases your factor uh for alzheimer's and other cognitive uh issues down the road yeah we live our entire lives like this some people do this shit for 30 40 years and it's insane exactly and nobody's nobody's uh, looked at these wildland firefighters or first responders over you know, as, as far as I know, we're going into our third year here of looking at, we call it longitudinal research and looking at body composition, looking at fatigue. Um, no, you know, other, there's been other studies where they've looked at people for a long term, trying to look at what kind of diseases they're getting and things like that. But when you start looking at this sleep, what's going to happen to us 20 years down the road. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a eye opening thing as well It's like, what are we doing to ourselves? And we've been yeah. f- doing it this way for how long now? For, uh, since, uh, Smokey S- the bear since Wag Dodge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got, got, got rescued. No, I don't know. But, uh, it's, yeah, it's going on it's, it's been going on for a long time. And, and so that, that makes me think maybe I need to do a survey of those that have retired, you know, that did fight fire all their lives and, and, uh, just ask them some, some simple questions, maybe some health screening or something. I think that'd be an interesting thing to take a, take a study on just because we always hear at least, it's just kind of like the really shitty thing, kind of a dark side of fire. But we always hear that once you retire, you got about five years. Yep. And that, interestingly enough, my brother and sister are both police officers. And so I'm I'm kind of in tune. You know, we've correlated some of this with that. But you're right. Once, once uh, I happen to wonder if it's maybe not all first responders that you're your average lifespan after retirement is five years or less. That's terrifying. It's scary. You know, and this is, uh, you know, it's a sobering fact. And that gets back down to my, it gets back to my analogy of we service our equipment. Let's take care of our most valuable piece of equipment. That's our bodies. I agree. And we all too often neglect our body in 
the sake of glory, I guess you could say. (laughs) That's what it seems like to me. I mean, like I said, man, we need that cultural shift, that paradigm shift of how we operate and what we do with our bodies. I think we uh, need to have that eye-opening experience. Right. And you mentioned it earlier about a culture. It's going to, it's just a culture change and it probably wouldn't take too long to to make the to to make that paradigm shift or that cultural change you just say folks we we need to get we need to start getting as much sleep as we can you know good good quality sleep don't don't um take sleeping pills or other things to help us get sleep you know you because that doesn't get you the natural sleep that you need no, it doesn't. If you're taking Ambien and stuff like that, if your doctor prescribes you Ambien, you might want to wean yourself off and actually try and get more of a holistic approach to that. I th- I think. I mean, oh yeah, I I I I give this talk and I'm I'm not afraid to say it because I mentioned earlier in this podcast that my wife was in a head-on and spent four months over at Harbor Harborview Hospital in Seattle, and I went I don't know how many. I, I went at least a week and a half with very little sleep, two weeks probably sleep at all before um, my doctor actually heard about this and prescribed me some Ambien. I'll and never take that shit again. I got, I got hooked on it. And when I started wearing this ready band three years ago, I started uh, when I started doing this research on what Ambien can do for us and, and the fact that if you're taking sleeping pills, that leads to, that increases your cancer rate, that increases your chances of being in a, in an accident, or I think there's even some stuff that says, some research that says uh, that um, you're more likely to die. Taking you're, Ambien? Yeah. Jesus. You're more likely to die, I think it was four, four or five times more likely to die if you're taking sleeping pills. That's in your sleep or? Yeah, it's a memory eraser and the other thing. And so I had a heck of a time getting off of Ambien and I've actually, so I'm free and clear now, but I look back at, you know, when, like I said, when I started that thing and you're, it doesn't improve your sleep, the good sleep. Yeah. It, It just, you're being sedated. You know, they man. just, it's like alcohol. It creates a, a sedative feeling. It yeah. just sedates you a little bit during sleep onset. But uh, it really doesn't, um, it really doesn't give us the kind of sleep we need. And that's the thing, man, is like a while back, probably about five, six years ago, uh, a doctor prescribed me Ambien for sleep, some sleeping issues. And I took one. I had slept walked for three days. (laughs) I had an adverse reaction to it, of course, but still that shit's, it scares me. Yeah. The first time I took one, I was on a, I was on a, uh, I remember exactly where it was. I was in a couch chair like thing and I took one and that's where I woke up wondering where I was. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Jesus. That's terrifying. Yeah. That and it, it doesn't really help. It doesn't really do much for you. Huh. Huh. So our our best bets just get some good sleep. Uh, try to do it on your own. There's some natural remedies out there. In my webinar, I talked about melatonin. 
uh, as being a good alternative because our body produces it. Yeah, it's but a natural you, substance. If you've got cardiovascular uh, history, then it's a it constricts. It's a vasoconstrictor, and so it kind of constricts your your blood vessels. So that that could be an issue. Uh, magnesium is a good. Uh, people take magnesium. You know, I'm not. I, I'll tell this out to the folks out there listening. I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, so if you've got issues, seek medical advice. Get oh, medical yeah. attention. Jesus, man. Well, shit, man. I mean, we, <laughs> this is intense, um, and it's a lot of value uh, out of your study. And I think that uh, everybody should be absolutely privy to what's going on with uh, the uh, the sleep study that you're doing. And uh, if you guys Google. Assessing wildland firefighters sleep and fatigue while on the fire assignment. It's going to be through the Northern Rockies Fire Science Network. Uh, that'd be nr nrfirescience.org. You can find that article that uh, basically breaks down the whole thing. And then you can find that webinar as well. If you guys get a chance to look at that, pay attention because, well, it's, it's eye-opening. Look at that Fitbit and look at how much you've been sleeping over the past few months because I can tell you from my point of view, I've been sleeping like shit and I don't even know it. Yep. That's the, most people don't. We're walking around in a state of reduced alertness. Practically <laughs> but, a zombie. You know, like, like a zombie. And we're just going through the routines. And now that, like I said, the first thing is just becoming aware of the fact. And that, that was, that's been big for me and all the folks we've been working with. And you start looking at some of that stuff, like that webinar, you look at the data we, we show on there and, and it's an eye, it's, it's, it, uh, it sobers you up. Oh yeah. It's eye opening. But I think it's important that it's out there because now you're raising awareness to this whole thing. Yeah. And that's what, uh, you know, I don't, like I said, hi, I'm Randy, Randy Brooks. I'm an ambient addict. The first thing you got to realize is there's a problem before you can start addressing, you know, making, making gains in, in addressing the issue. You got to recognize that there's a problem. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, as long as we can identify these problems and actually address them properly, I think that we can actually make some headway and, you know, reduce that risk of operational injuries. Yeah. And that's what I've been talking to, especially some of our college students, like I said, that we're, we're monitoring here. And some of them said, God, I just need to get off social media. And even when I know I'm tired, I just, I just need to maybe cut my call home short. If you got a spouse or girlfriend that you need to, or boyfriend or someone you need to talk to, just say, Hey, I'm safe. I'm really tired. I got to get some sleep and call it. It's hard. It's hard to say that because, you know, you want to talk to your loved ones, oh, but, you know, I absolutely, yeah. You can't, I get it. Yeah. I you can't it. take care of your loved ones if you're, uh, well, potentially injured or hurt or even worse, dead. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I think that's about the tie in point. I think we've covered just about damn near everything regarding sleep and your study. <laughs> We went that we went down a lot of rabbit holes, but anyway, I, I appreciate your time, and like I said, everybody, the biggest thing is everybody just understand that even when you're tired, just under understand the fact and stay vigilant out there, and most of all, 
stay safe. Excellent words of advice from Dr. Randy Brooks. So, Randy, at the end of the show, I usually like to give uh, the opportunity to give you you have you give out a uh, like a cheers, a kudos. Uh, hey, this is my homie to whoever you want, mentor, firefighter, whatever. So uh, go ahead and give a shout out, man. Who would you like to give a shout out to? Well, I, I just give out a, a shout out to all the wildland firefighters out there. Uh, the, the, there's quite a few of them that are helping us out with our, our study. And I think I said this earlier, while everybody's rushing to get the heck out of Dodge, you all are rushing in, risking your lives. You know, you're up against the flames and you're all my heroes. And the, the, this is not an academic exercise for me in publishing. This is a exercise in trying to prevent accidents out there. It doesn't have to be on the fire line. Driving home, you know you're tired of those things. Like I said, you all are my heroes. Be safe. Dr. Randy Brooks. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate your time. Thanks All right. Thank here, you, bud. Appreciate it. Right on, man. Well, uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And, uh, yeah, take into consideration what uh, Randy here is saying because, well, your life could depend on it. It certainly improve your life, the quality of life, too, if you actually take care of your sleep and stop drinking all the time because, well, apparently it's a drinking culture. So, yeah. Pump the brakes, guys. Lay your head, rest, get adequate quality sleep. Dr. Brooks, hey, man, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you. <laughs> right on. Thanks for listening to the Anchor Point, guys. Later. Holy shit. That was intense. At least it was intense for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's uh, it's definitely an eye-opening little study that he's doing. Well, it's not little. It's actually huge. I mean, I know during my season, I probably sleep maybe four or five hours every night during fires. So, yeah, sleep, it's important. You need to recover. Dr. Brooks. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man, and uh, giving us some insight on to uh, what we can do about combating fatigue in the wildland front there. Definitely appreciate you being on the show, man. That was that was cool. Fascinating shit. Thank you. Well, guys, keep it tuned. Keep it locked in here to the Anchor Point podcast, and uh, we definitely got more stuff coming out. Uh, maybe doing something a little bit big here down the road. And I'm definitely excited about that, but I can't really reveal what's going on. So, stay tuned. It's the only way you're going to find out there. Definitely uh, swing by our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know the game. Go by, tag us in your photos. We like to repost stuff. So, if you guys got something cool or you want to be on the show, slide into those DMs or shoot us an email at anchorpointpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah. There's a lot of talent out there, and I want to hear your stories. And I want to share that story with everybody out there. So, once again, guys, thank you for listening to the Anchor Point Podcast. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>